Chapter Four of Mother Carey's Chickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane. Mother Carey's Chickens by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter Four: The Broken Circle. The three weeks were running into a month now, and virtue still reigned in the Carey household. But things were different. Everybody but Peter saw the difference. Peter dwelt from morn till eve in that land of pure delight which is ignorance of death. The children no longer bounded to meet the postman, but waited till Joanna brought in the mail. Steadily, daily, the letters changed in tone. First they tried to be cheerful, later on they spoke of trusting that the worst was past, then of hoping that father was holding his own. Oh, if he was holding all his own, sobbed Nancy, if we were only there with him helping mother. Ellen said to Joanna one morning in the kitchen, it's my belief the captain's not going to get well, and I'd like to go to Newburyport to see my cousin and not be in the house when the children's told. And Joanna said, Shame on you not to stand by him in their hour of trouble, at which Ellen quailed and confessed herself a coward. Finally came a day never to be forgotten, a day that swept all the former days clean out of memory, as a great wave engulfs all the little ones in its path, a day when Uncle Alan being too ill to travel, Cousin Anne of all people in the universe, Cousin Anne came to bring the terrible news that Captain Carey was dead. Never think that Cousin Anne did not suffer and sympathize and do her rocky best to comfort. She did indeed, but she was thankful that her task was of brief duration. Mrs. Carey knew how it would be and had planned all so that she herself could arrive not long after the blow had fallen. Peter, by his mother's orders, she had thought of everything, was at a neighbor's house, the center of all interest, the focus of all gaiety. He was too young to see the tears of his elders with any profit baby plants grow best in sunshine. The others were huddled together in a sad group at the front window, eyes swollen, handkerchiefs rolled into drenched pathetic little wads. Cousin Anne came in from the dining room with a tumbler and spoon in her hand. See here, children, she said bracingly, you've been crying for the last twelve hours without stopping, and I don't blame you a mite. If I was a crying kind, I'd do the same thing. Now do you think you've got grit enough, all three of you, to bear up for your mother's sake when she first comes in? I've mixed you each a good dose of aromatic spirits of ammonia, and it's splendid for the nerves. Your mother must get a night's sleep somehow, and when she gets back a little of her strength, you'll be the greatest comfort she has in the world. The way you're carrying on now, you'll be the death of her. It was a good idea, and the dose had courage in it. Gilbert took the first sip. Kathleen the second, and Nancy the third, and hardly the last swallow disappeared down the poor aching throats before a carriage drove up the gate. Someone got out and handed out Mrs. Carey, whose step used to be lighter than Nancy's. A strange gentleman. Oh, not a stranger. It was a dear admiral helping mother up the path. They had been unconsciously expecting the brown muff and blue velvet bonnet, but these had vanished like father and all the beautiful things of the past years, and in their place was black raiment that chilled their hearts. But the black figure had flung back the veil that hid her from the longing eyes of the children, and when she raised her face it was full of the old love. She was grief-stricken, and she was pale, but she was mother, and the three young things tore open the door and clasped her in their arms, sobbing, choking, whispering all sorts of tender comfort, their childish tears falling like healing dew on her poor heart. The admiral soothed and quieted them each in turn, all but Nancy. Cousin Anne's medicine was of no avail, and she Drangling with sobs, Nancy fled to the attic until she was strong enough to say, 
for mother's sake without a quiver in her voice. Then she crept down, and as she passed her mother's room on tiptoe, she looked in and saw that the chair by the window, the chair that had been vacant for a month, was filled, and that the black-clad figure was what was left to them, a strange, sad, quiet mother who had lost part of herself somewhere, the gay part, the cheerful part, the part that made her so piquantly and, and entrancingly different from other women. Nancy stole in softly and put her young smooth cheek against her mother's, quietly stroking her hair. "'There are four of us to love you and take care of you,' she said. "'It isn't quite so bad as if there was nobody.' Mrs. Carey clasped her close. "'Oh, my Nancy, my first, my oldest, God will help me, I know that. But just now I need somebody close and warm and soft, somebody with arms to hold and breath to speak and lips to kiss. I ought not to sadden you nor lean on you. You are too young. But I must a little, just at the first. You see, dear, you come next to father.' Next to father, Nancy's life was set to a new tune from that moment. Here was her spur, her creed, the incentive, the inspiration she had lacked. She did not suddenly grow older than her years, but simply, in the twinkling of an eye, came to a realization of herself. Her opportunity, her privilege, her duty, the face of life had changed, and Nancy changed with it. "'Do you love me next to mother?' the Admiral had asked coaxingly once, when Nancy was eight and on his lap as usual. "'Oh, dear, no,' said Nancy, thoughtfully shaking her head. "'Why, that's rather a blow to me,' the Admiral exclaimed, pinching an ear and pulling a curl. "'I flattered myself that when I was on my best behaviour I came next to mother.' "'It's this way, Addie, dear,' said Nancy, curling up to his waistcoat and giving a sigh of delight that there were so many nice people in the world. "'It's just this way. First there's mother, and then all around mother there's a wide, wide space, and then father and you come next to space.' The Admiral smiled, a grave, lovely smile that often crept into his eyes when he held Mother Carey's chickens on his knee. He kissed Nancy on the little white spot behind the ear, where the brown hair curled in tiny rings like grape tendrils, soft as silk and delicate as pencil strokes. He said nothing but his boyish dreams were in the kiss, and certain hopes of manhood that had never been realized. He was thinking that Margaret Gilbert was a fortunate and happy woman to have become Mother Carey, such a mother, too, that all about her was a wide, wide space, and next to the space the rest of the world, nearer or farther according to their merits. He wondered if motherhood ought not to be like that, and he thought that if it were it would be a great help to God. End of chapter 4 Recording by Ashley Jane